Podcast Revolution Network presents The Way with Noah. Greetings and welcome to another edition of The Way of Panoa. This, um, this, this interview is one that really like resonates with me when we think about moving beyond elections. Um, when we think about the work that needs to be done and we talk about how do we hold people accountable for the vitriol, for the rhetoric, and, and really for the ways in which that they deny access and opportunity for our, for our communities, right? Um, I interviewed Representative Renita Shannon. Representative Shannon is a state representative here in the state of Georgia. Um, she is an organizer, activist, and many other wonderful things. Um, and, and she talks about not only, you know, how she approached, the, you know, the general election cycle, the primary cycle, the work that she did, in addition to her own capacity as an elected official, but we get into a conversation about holding the incoming governor um, elect uh, uh, accountable for his vitriol, for his rhetoric. I mean, now Brian Kemp is on this whole, we're going to unite Georgia tour. It's like, but bruh, how do you do what you did? How do you run a campaign based on hate, fear, and bringing out the worst stereotypes and blatantly lying in many instances? And the, the groundwork that, that, that Brian Kemp has already laid over the last several years of his own service as Secretary of State, in which he had built the, 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 built the hill that was voter suppression, built the mountain that was voter suppression that crumbled and crushed a lot of opportunity access for many of us. So when we think about all that we achieved and gained in spite of what was facing us on the other side coming, you know, after the, the primary from the, the Kemp campaign, you know, we have people like Renita Shannon who have been there consistently, regardless of whether they're in cameras presence or not, pushing and demanding that we demand better, that we do better in our own organizing and work, and that we continue to engage and build across the board for the results that we deserve. And so um, I shared that my son and I had actually canvassed with Representative Shannon and her, her family and some other constituents from her district even though she herself did not have a competitive general, she made sure to canvas one because it was important that we had really good turnout across the board, you know, for, for all, the, the, all the races that we had on the ballot. But also for that her district to know that she was present, she was there, and she was willing to fight for them under the dome and beyond. And that's the type of leadership that we need. And as we look beyond this 2018 cycle and we think about the lessons and the voices that we need to be uplifting. Representative Shannon is definitely one of them. She is one of three currently representatives, last I checked, who will be boycotting Brian Kemp's first address as governor. And I, I stand with her. And there are many of us that stand with her. And when we have these really brilliant and valiant, bold voices that are willing to stand up for what's right, we need to be willing to stand next to them and say, we are here, we are with you, and we support you. It's not enough just to demand people be accountable to the people and to the voices and to the voters. But when they're willing to step out there and do these things and take these actions in these moments, we need to show up and be there with them as well so that they are not just alone in the win. 
And and Sh- Representative Shannon, she is, Renita is taking a very bold stand. Um, she has been leading an effort that rejects uh, uh, legitimizing and, and dealing with Brian Kemp as if he's acting in good faith now. I mean, who knows how he is in his personal life and with his family, but it doesn't matter. The race that he ran, the to- what he tolerated and allowed to occur, and the fact that he offered nothing better for Georgians. I mean, it's great that he wants to pretend like he wants to work now with our mayor, um, Keisha Lance Bottoms here in Atlanta, but he ran an election that demonized those of us who live in more urbanized areas. He ran a race and ran a campaign that undermined and demonized many marginalized communities within the state, whether they be, you know, uh, uh, Latinx or AAPI or others, members who might have immigrants in their communities, whether it be black people, I mean, whether it's LGBTQ folks, Muslim folks, I mean, he ran a campaign that literally said to many of us in Georgia that we do not matter and him and his kind would prefer we do not exist. And that's a problem. And we cannot sit here and pretend like, oh, now it's all time to come together. We're all going to work in good faith because these people, they get in their their, their trenches and they want to appeal to their base and they turn out the worst and they work to obstruct justice. They work to obstruct process progress, regardless of whether it's under the dome, regardless of what it's on the campaign trail, this is what they do. And we need to stop conceding and pretending that respectability politics is actually going to take us someplace and advance things going further. We need strong advocates for justice inside the dome, outside the dome, and on the streets. And I say this, and I mean this so much, Representative Representative Shannon is not my representative by district, but she's my representative at heart. You know, she is joined by two other representatives in her current boycott. And I really do hope that others would take some consideration in standing with her. This is not being divisive. This is not polarizing. This is self-determination and action. This is leadership. And this is the way we need people to say this is not acceptable. Brian Kemp does not get rewarded with our, you know, niceties, with our presence for his behavior and for the way in which that he and his ilk actively work to destroy opportunity and access to the ballot and stand in the way of progress here in Georgia. We have done something really beautiful and great with what was built over this election cycle. And again, that is on the foundation of so much hard work by so many different groups across the board. But we don't just, you know, oh, well, now it's all time to just pretend like we're all on the same team. Uh Uh-uh. We need to hold people accountable for where they stood and what they did. And I absolutely salute Representative Shannon uh, for everything that she is doing and what she has done. So please like, share, subscribe, but definitely share this this interview. Go follow her, share some more of her work and lift her up. Drop her a line and let her know that you appreciate what she's doing because we need fighters and we need to let them know that, that we're on their side. Peace. Hello, everybody. I know it's been a little bit of time here. Um, really great to be back. This is Anoa Changa, and you're joining The Way with Anoa. I'm really excited for this guest that I have joining me today because she's one of my sheroes, and she does an amazing work. And it's not even that she just goes out of her way intentionally to be like some extraordinary person. Like you can tell, I've met her mama, so I believe this is true. You can tell this is just at her core. <laughs> who she is. I am joined by Georgia State Representative Renita Shannon. Thank you so much for the DeKalb County delegation. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. How are you? 
Absolutely. I'm great and excited to be on speaking with you. As I've said many times publicly, I appreciate the work that you do. Um, you are a consistent truth teller, and that is what we need today. So um, you are you have a strong justice bone, and I really appreciate that. I, I love you so much. And I'm going to tell y'all, like, I've gotten to know this sister over the last several months. But our very first, like, first set of interactions, we didn't even know each other. And she was reaching out in the most kind and loving manner. You guys remember when all that stuff was going on with the I know as a Russian stooge storyline, whatever, whatever. Um, Representative Shannon reached out to me via text message, like, "Hey, I hope I'm not overstepping my boundaries, but I hope you're not really letting this get to you. You know, this type of thing happens when you start making waves. Breathe. You know, people know who you are. You know, I'm I'm proud to to get to know you, and and that meant so much." Because like I told you at the time, I was literally having a panic, a, a manic panic breakdown that week. Um, I think that might have been like the third, second or third day of it when you texted me. And, I, I, and a couple of people like said the same thing. But when you said it, because we had not met each other, we were going to be on a panel together that weekend. And I was really concerned. And so I just really, really appreciate that. And now that I met your mom, I can tell where it comes from. But I really appreciate it, um, th those words and the way you like reached out. Oh, for sure. And, the, and you know, most people would not characterize me as a warm and fuzzy person, but I just really felt the need to reach out to you because I know what it's like coming from a community organizing activist background. I know what it's like when black people specifically are speaking about the truth of our experience um, in America and how that can be easily turned into something that it's not. And it can be, there's a lot of work, there's a lot of attempts by a lot of folks to delegitimize um, our experiences that we know and we feel every single day. And I just wanted you to know that looking from the outside, there was somebody who supports um, the truth telling that you are attempting to do, so. Thank you so much, I appreciate that. So moving forward, I just wanna give folks just a little bit more background just about you and some of the work you've been doing. You are an elected representative to the Georgia State House. Um, but but in addition to that, you're a community organizer. You're not just a, a community organizer, you're an electoral organizer. I mean, can you just talk to us a little bit about your experience over the election cycle, um, just, just kind of getting out there and just seeing from being out in the field kind of how all of this strategy unfolded that we've been hearing about in the national conversation. Sure. So um, like you mentioned, before being elected, um, my professional background was in business development. Um, but my personal time, I spent a lot of time community organizing um, on issues like reproductive rights and justice, um, economic justice issues, police accountability, like criminal justice reform issues. Um, you know, and so I spent a lot of time working on those sorts of issues. And then I ended up running for the Georgia House of Representatives and unseated a Democrat who um, was a very nice guy. Um, but he was, I felt, not uh, speaking out as much as we needed um, a, a strong progressive voice um, to represent this district, and I um, unseated him. And so coming into the General Assembly, people knew that I was somebody who was going to um, say what needed to be said and take on tough issues. Immediately after I got elected, I co-founded an organization called Her Term, which works to elect progressive women um, to office in competitive seats in Georgia. Um, so in the House and the Senate mostly, um, although we have done some work more than at the state level. For example, I recruited Lucy McBath to run, um, who just unseated Karen uh, Handel in the 6th Congressional District. 
So our main focus has been to electing progressive women um, to office in these competitive seats. And we had great success in the special elections in 2017, and we had great success in this past cycle. Um, so I did a lot of work with training um, not only women, but all of the candidates that were um, running on the Democrat side to fill these seats because we really need change in Georgia. So it was everything from consultation, um, like I said, recruiting going back two years, um, ago to make sure that we had strong candidates in these seats, everything up until what most people saw on the outside was canvassing and helping to build um, online support for the candidates that won. And because of the amazing um, race that Stacey Abrams ran for governor, that is what really, you know, you can have a bang up year as far as electoral work, electing progressives, but you must have a candidate who is going to be bringing out all of um, our voters, inspiring people and bringing out people to vote. And so um, and, and that all that's so very important that you have somebody at the top of the ticket who is talking about real issues that matter to people. I always say you can't move forward with respectability politics of just telling people, you know, if you don't vote, then be quiet because it's on the candidates to be saying something that pulls people out of their houses to want to vote. And a lot of times our communities, the black community and communities of color are not really invested in or spoken to until five minutes before an election date. And that does not work. Um, and so, again, I think that the the gubernatorial campaign, which had a lot of national attention, um, Stacey Abrams ran a great campaign and we were able to capitalize on what she did by already having good candidates recruited and running great campaigns so that when she lit everything on fire, it would all turn into um, a great campaign season for us here in Georgia. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate and agree with all what you just said in particular. And, and so just thinking about what you were just saying about how our, can, our, our communities need something else. You know, the conversation happening right now, we're just now coming out of this runoff election um, just, 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 what are some of your thoughts just, just thinking about the aftermath? And, and it's not that we need to be critical, and I'm a person, personally, I'm very critical, but um, I know that some of the logic or some of the commentary that has happened after, you know, post runoff is, if only these people just showed up, like, like, as if Stacey Abrams had been on the ballot, then this would have been different. What do you have to say to that criticism that the people just need to show up? Because it, it doesn't seem to address the, 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 the buy-in that we need to have also. That's right. So to that, I mean, I told, I disagree because I think, well, number one, I will say stop asking for communities of color to come out and, you know, really make your campaign and to elect you to positions when, if they don't understand what it is that you will do for their community, right? I mean, that's just the case for any community. And so again, as I said before, candidates need to speak directly with communities of color. Um, black voters are the largest, still the largest majority, majority when you're talking about communities of color. And so if I can't, you know, I would tell candidates this, if I cannot clearly articulate to communities of color what you will be doing for their community if you get elected and what difference it will make in their life, then don't ask me to engage those groups um, in coming out to, to vote. And the same goes for um, non-communities of color. Donald Trump, that's all he did. He activated a white vote that was not participating particularly in elections. He said some horribly racist things um, in his presidential campaign and said things that would bring out voters who wanted to hear those types of things, and they supported it. So the, at the end of the day, everybody, no matter what community you're talking about, if candidates don't run on policies that actually will have a direct impact 
on an individual's life, people are not going to be excited to come out and vote for you. And saying, you know, well, it's the lesser of two evils and you'll really be screwed if you don't come out and vote. Here is something that I think people don't really realize. You know, I've been voting ever since I was 18. I always vote. I do feel like it is my duty to vote. I'm the exception. Um, people, for the most part, people feel like if all the choices are the same on the ballot, then what is the point in coming out and voting? And so I think that that's something that people need to really realize, especially in the South, is that running Republican light, at the end of the day, especially for communities of color, if you're going to go in and still stand by policies that generate mass incarceration, you're going to stand by policies that don't do anything for um, to, you know, bring about economic justice. When we know that um, African-American women are the largest majority of low wage, minimum wage earners in the nation. Mm -hmm. If you're not going to do anything to make a difference in any of these uh, issues that, you know, impact our lives, then I don't think you can expect people who are working two jobs just to keep up um, to come out and vote for you. I mean, you can't expect people at any level to come out mm -hmm. and vote for you if they literally don't know what difference it will make, um, you know, whether if you get elected. So I think there are a lot of folks who run these very safe campaigns um, because they think that they are going to convince conservatives to vote for them. And I really, you know, for me, I think it's a lot of it's racism in voting because all votes count the same. So why don't you speak to a broader community and reflect more of the issues of people who are willing to vote for you instead of continuing to go after these same voters who, who've shown you time and time again that they aren't really with you? It doesn't make sense. No, I absolutely agree. I, I want to go back to what you were talking about in terms of like the way, you know, candidates and in, and in particular, we've seen this with, 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 with conservative with Republican candidates who run for offices like Secretary of State. Um, the Secretary of State elect here in Georgia, you know, did make some comments about non-citizens being able to vote. We saw Brian Kemp run on that heavily, you know, during the campaign. So you had some posts uh, uh, that you posted, you shared, you reshared. Now, this was a picture. I mean, just, just for folks who are not familiar, I mean, I know a lot of you probably are because you follow me, so you saw me like blowing this up a bunch. But like, there was an individual who was a part of a small group of white nationalists um, who were protesting a Stacey Abrams event around Labor Day, threatening violence. Like, the leader is like a well known, documented. Um, um, individual that has threatened violence against Muslim community. Uh, uh, there's a video uh, of him talking about, you know, violence against gay people. Like, there's just all types of stuff, right? And so the the the, the verbal attacks on a black woman veteran, the verbal the, the threats of violence toward if Stacey Abrams were to win, people have been demanding that the Kemp campaign because they were they were present with Kemp signs at this at this event. And so people were demanding the Kip campaign, like denounce this individual and their organization or whatever. And there were a couple of other, these very far right racist organizations that openly publicly were supporting Kemp and he wouldn't denounce any of them. Um, so we fast forward to video surfacing sometime in October of Brian Kemp, of this individual, not only at an event, streaming his event, but like getting on video and taking a selfie with Brian Kemp. And he had a very offensive, you know, shirt on. And Brian Kemp and the campaign acted like, you know, whatever, par for the course, but there was this, this continuous feeding into the hatred and hate mongering that would bring out the worst of individuals um, in terms of all this comment, you know, in terms of this, this election cycle. So like you said, there's racism in voting. We're, we're facing it on so many different levels, but you posted, you posted about 
the, you posted the picture and you posted about Brian Kemp and the way he ran because now he's trying to what extend there was an article he extended the olive branch to, to Mayor uh, uh, Bottoms and and so, so can you just talk to me a little bit about what I mean what prompted you to even like and enter into this conversation this dialogue in this manner and then we'll talk a little bit about your proposed actions um, after that. Well, sure. So I posted because it was not just the picture um, that right. you're talking about. Right. The, the picture was a clear representation that Brian Kemp was okay with these values. Um, the gentleman that you're talking about had on an anti-Muslim shirt. Um, so it was not one of those situations where as an elected official, people come up to you sometimes and say, hey, can I take a picture? And then later on, you find out that this person has a reputation that you don't want to be associated with. No, that was not the case here. Brian Kemp was uh, gleefully smiling uh, with this individual and he knew exactly who he was. And like you said, at no point did he really distance himself and media did not even pick this up as being something that was newsworthy. And I really, you know, so for me, it was a combination of that. It was the way that he started his campaign, much like Donald Trump, you know, him coming out saying, I have a big truck so I can round up criminal illegals myself. I mean, just being completely ridiculous, attacking the LGBTQ community, um, saying that he will make sure and sign a RIFR bill. Uh, I mean, just so many things throughout his campaign. He ran a campaign of hate against at least half of Georgia, because some of these groups, folks may not be publicly identifying as that they are a part of, but without a doubt, at least half of the state of Georgia, you ran a campaign of hate against. And now that he's governor, he wants everybody to go back to business as usual and just kind of say, oh, well, this was just politics. It's what we say to win campaigns. I don't think so. Um, and although he hasn't said that directly, the actions that he's taken since, you know, becoming governor after doing all he could for the last, you know, more than two years to suppress the minority vote. Um, no, that's just something that I'm not just going to look the other way and chalk it up to that's just campaigning. Because what we've seen across the country is that conservatives over and over again are running these racist campaigns, and then they call it political differences. And really what they're doing is calling it just political differences allows people to feel nice and comfy about what they are saying and doing. And for me, I'm ripping the covers off. Um, like you mentioned before, these hateful campaigns have impacts on communities that usually result in violence or increased discrimination, and I'm not just going to look the other way. Um, you know, I grew up watching my dad as a community leader fight for civil rights and equity in the black community with organizations like the NAACP and SELC. So for me, it's not even anywhere near natural for me to just lay down so that somebody can oppress me or my community. Um, and, you know, I've gotten a lot of feedback. I, I said that I was going to boycott um, his first address coming up this weekend, which is at Biennial, which is a, you know, two-year, every two-year event. It's at the beginning of every new term for every newly elected legislator and returning incumbent where we go to UGA, and this is where the governor addresses your group. Now, I was there two years ago when Governor Deal came and addressed us, but I won't be there this year because, for me, you cannot extend an olive branch and, you know, try to say, I mean, you, you cannot extend an olive branch to now hope that voters around George, voters of color, um, all the communities that he attacked, hoping that we will just forget about all of the points in his campaign where he articulated that he doesn't see, uh, he sees us as inherently inferior to him. Mm -hmm. I mean, you must at the end of the day, because if you are taking pictures and campaigning with white nationalists, as you said, he never distanced himself. He was grateful to get the support because he never said anything that, um, you know, he made one statement saying that he does not support, you know, um, the tactics of, of white nationalists or something fuzzy like that. But 
It's well, just that like, was and I like, think about that. Towards the very end when there was like that racist robocall, right? Right, exactly, the robocall. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. To me, that was a bunch of crap too because you started out your campaign talking about rounding up criminal Absolutely. illegals. Absolutely. So, you know, to me, all of that stuff is just lip service. Um, you've said, you've articulated, I don't, I've actually never met him in person. Um, so I don't know him personally, but I will say that his actions show me exactly who he is. And I'm going to believe that he is who he campaigned as and act accordingly. Um, you know, I've gotten a lot of comments, some supportive of people saying, yes, you know, I understand why you're boycotting him and Democrats need to stop just going back to business as usual when people are running these extremely hateful campaigns, which I would say, by the way, like I said, there's so much privilege involved in running these racist campaigns because you are, you know, a lot of times violence will follow and more discrimination for the communities that conservatives are. So today, very, you know, in a very popular way, attacking these communities and, they get to turn around and just say, oh, that was just politics. Meanwhile, those communities are, be these communities are being injured. And that's a lot of privilege to think that you can just run those campaigns and there should be no repercussions. You're not even thinking about the facts, thinking about the things that you're stirring up. And so, and we have seen hate crimes increase across the nation. We have seen violence and discrimination. Folks have been emboldened, just like this person who came out um, to support Brian Kemp and felt so confident to live stream and, you know, a whole bunch of other nonsense. And so, I've gotten some comments from some colleagues who've been supportive and others who've said, well, I just don't think that that's what we should do as a state representative. And I mean, to them, I would just say respectability politics is not my first concern. Um, mm. Justice and equity for all communities is the reason that I fight. And so we can't just stay with the status quo. Absolutely. I mean, imagine, imagine if our predecessors, if our ancestors, right, like you said, you watched your father as an organizer, you know, same with my parents as organizers and people engaging. If we watched them just go along with the flow and never rock or shake the boat, we wouldn't be the women who were are today. We wouldn't be the leaders we are today, right? Like, I think we just look at our history. I mean, I'm not from the South, but moving here, uh, almost it's been four and a half years now we've lived here. My children and I have lived here. And just, I remember the first time I voted in the 2014 election, we voted at an old black church. And that was just such a weird thing to vote with my dad at an old black church. And like, I, I remember saying it to him, he was like, I know I had the same feeling the first time I voted in the similar, you know, similar scenario. There's so much history. There's so much history of struggle, right? And going against mm -hmm. the status quo. It is sometimes disheartening when we hear folks say, well, you know, well, now it's time for us all to come together. Why do we always have to come together at our expense? They campaign and at our expense all the time. When do we ever break through and get and demand better consistently? And you're absolutely right. It's not enough. He, he brought out the ugliest in, in our fellow Georgians and what people were determined to embrace in, in an elected representative, right? Because there was nothing that Brian Kemp presented that was better or about making people's lives better. Like, like he's exactly. not in favor of Medicaid expansion. Like any of the major legislative priorities, any of the major priorities that benefit all Georgians collectively, that was not what his platform was about. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, for the folks who want to, there's this culture of complicity 
where people may say, oh, well, I don't really agree with what he's saying, but you didn't stand up and speak out and say anything different. And that goes for Republicans and Democrats. If you say nothing, then I'm sorry, but you are complicit in it. And so, um, you know, I think that that's really important to realize. And I did grow up in the South. Um, you know, I had I didn't grow up in Georgia. I grew up in Florida. And the thing that I know about growing up in the South is that if you do not fight for your communities, um, you know, your community will not advance. Keeping your mouth shut you know, is not going to yield better results for your community. It just will not. So to me, you know, like you said, running these types of campaigns and then expecting business as usual after is completely ridiculous because all of us have to, you know, to live with this. It's the same thing after Trump was elected. Um, and it says a lot about your, about fellow Georgians too. I don't want them to feel nice and comfortable, you know, supporting what he said. And so for me, like I said, my thing is, if you ran um, on this white nationalist stuff, and you say that's who you are, then, then, you know, you just can't, you just can't walk all that back the next day. You just can't. So because either you weren't telling the truth about who you were when you campaigned, or you're not telling the truth now, and either way you slice it, it's totally inappropriate, because it has real effects and real impact for the communities that you've attacked. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think that's a really strong and the other point. Thing, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, keep going. The other thing that really bothers me as well is that when people say, oh, well, you know, are you, you know, this is divisive to have these kind of conversations and, you know, we need to all come together. It's just like you said, coming together at whose expense. You know, I would not say calling out the areas for improvement that that is being divisive. And if you, if you think that the calling that divisive and just political differences, that is absolutely what you can call it when you have a lot of privilege where this stuff won't affect you. That is somebody with privilege on both sides. I hear commentators all the time say, oh, well, this is, you know, kind of divisive or this is, you know, um, it's just political differences. No, it's not. Not to the people that it actually impacts. And so for voters, voters of color, we have to win on these issues. We don't have a choice because it affects us every day. So to me, I'm not concerned with um, if, if anyone is calling what I'm saying divisive. I'm, I'm not. That's not my concern. My concern is making creating equity in every community so that everybody has the opportunity um, that they need. We, we're not. I mean, we're not going to. We may never get to the point where everybody everybody loves everybody and we all enjoy. Um, you know, living in such close proximity with each other, we may never get to that point. But I do think that from a government perspective, everything should at least be where everybody has the opportunity to um, to be fully protected and to have the same rights in practice under the law. And we didn't even see that in this past campaign because, like I said, things were done to make sure that minority voters um, did not have the same opportunities to vote. So I'm not I'm not so concerned with how much everybody sings kumbaya. I am concerned with making sure that everybody has their equal rights in practice and equity in those rights. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, I really, I really, I mean, and I think you know whomever would say this is not what state representatives should be doing. I think what you just said and the way that's why I tweeted out earlier. Um, you know, I retweeted you earlier, and I was like, she's not my state representative by district but she's my state representative at heart because, because I have watched you over the last several months represent and lead uh, regardless of what your specific district is. Like, you know, the day we came out and canvassed with you and your family and, and other volunteers, like 
you know, and, and I was, you know, for those listening, I was canvassing. I actually got my son to come along and we canvassed. And he was just like, well, if she doesn't have an opponent, like, why are we doing this? And I was explaining to him, you know, he was just like, I didn't know people still did that. And it was just so unique. And when I told him about how you had actually been going around, you know, canvassing and helping other people running in competitive races and he was like wow that's really dope of her to do that right and and and, and I'll, I'll I'll screenshot a picture of this for everybody to see but 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 representative Shannon had a postcard that we were dropping off with the lit too that even though she didn't have an opponent in the general she was still giving a message out to the constituents of the district so that they knew that the representative was there and was a voice for them with her contact information which i thought was brilliant but what you said about how we need to break through this culture of complicity like you all go into that dome and you're representing all of us as a state. And, and, and we're being told basically that some of us have to be subjugated to make you know, others comfortable with the Absolutely. way in which they chose to win. And when do we right. stop saying that there needs to be a standard of what's acceptable and how we win and how we build to move forward? Absolutely. And that's really what it is, is people are choosing, right now people are choosing to keep things nice and comfortable for everybody and avoid tough conversations. And as we know, just in, you know, general cleaning, things that you just sweep under the rug, it's still going to be there under the rug. It's not going to go away because you chose to put a rug on top of the dirt. It is there. And I think that that is, you know, it, when it, especially when it comes to discussing race relations, um, that is one of the hardest topics in America to discuss for everybody. It's generally uncomfortable for most. Um, it's really difficult, but the more and more that this country continues to roll on and not um, start to unpack some of this stuff, um, the more and more that you will just see a buildup and you'll see that the, the issues will never go away. And I think that's why so many really were, you know, awakened with the election of Donald Trump. And now we see where a local Trump has been elected, Brian Kemp, or at least that's the way he ran. Um, people are understanding that by avoiding tough conversations, that's not going to actually make things better. It's not. It doesn't solve any problems. It doesn't bring equity to anybody's community. And I just know that you cannot ask me to be complicit in my in in my own oppression. You're not going to do that to me. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, in thinking about you know moving beyond and going into this this next cycle, what can we as constituents of uh, your constituents at large and in those actually in your district and just those of us as Georgians, what can we be doing to help ensure that, I mean, last cycle, like last legislative, you know, session was, was a battle. And I'm, I'm sure this is probably true every cycle. I think last legislative section, session was the first one I really kind of started to get involved in here in Georgia. But like, what can we do to be impactful and provide assistance to truth tellers and fighters like you who are under the dome what can we do as, as, as constituents at large to help make sure things are moving in a way that is for the better of all Georgians and not, you know, just appealing to the, the, the sensibilities or interests of a select few? Absolutely. So I would say one of the biggest things is people have to understand that you can't just activate when it's election time. Mm -hmm. You have to pay attention to what these people do after they are elected. And that goes for both, Dem both Democrats and Republicans. So I would say, um, that you really need to pay attention to. The legislative session uh, is 40 days every, every year. Um, by the Georgia Constitution, we have to start on the second Monday of January each year. And the 40 days do not run consecutively. 
Um, we vote on a calendar. And so you can see every day that we're in session. You can also live, you can also see what we're saying on the floor and you can also watch these committee meetings. I would say that there's quite a few things that you can do. Number one, if you have the capacity, please come down to the Capitol, sit in these committee meetings. There are a few committees where all of the bad bills come through. For example, the exact match that was used in the past election, where basically it said, when you turn in your voter information, the person who imprints the information, who types in the information, if they misspell your name or your address at all, you could be turned away at the polls. That was something that I thought that came through my committee in governmental affairs um, in 2017, my first year in the General Assembly, and then it came to the floor. So that was something that was passed you know, the year before and that we knew would be a problem. And I would say what, so one of the biggest problems is in these committee meetings, we mostly only see lobbyists filling the seat. We do not see a lot of community, community members. Um, it is open for public testimony. Now we've seen how, you know, Atlanta City Hall, frequently you'll see articles about how people came down and gave their, you know, two cents about what's going on in Atlanta politics um, on the city le on the municipal level, but people really need to start doing that with state government. All of the meetings have a certain time frame that they have to be posted for the public to know um, what will be going on. And, you know, conservatives have gotten really sneaky about not printing the agenda of what bills will be discussed so that when bad bills come up, you won't see a massive outpouring. But there are certain committees where, let me just tell you, you should just be in attendance every time they meet because there is always something uh, ridiculous going on on those committees. Um, now, if you don't have the capacity to make it down to the Capitol, there is so much you can do with digital organizing. Um, House Bill 515 was an excellent example. This was a this was in 2017 also, and it was Republicans um, basically trying to gerrymander a district a district right in the middle of you usually gerry usually redistricting does not happen except every 10 years when we have a census. So usually the legislative right. districts stay the way that they are. Well, Republicans decided that for Rich Golick, um, you know, he, he was on the, they were on the verge of losing that district. So they said, well, let's make this district more Republican. Um, you know, in 2017, even though we have a census coming up, even though we have a chance to reset the maps in 2020, let's go ahead and just right now make this district a little bit more Republican. And so what they did was they pulled in more white voters because we know that still the majority statistics show us that the majority of white people still vote conservative. Um, and then we enjoy the liberal share of uh, liberal white voters and the majority of the voters who vote in Democrats, you know, vote for Democrats are um, voters of color, black voters and predominantly black women. So what they did was they carved out um, entire white neighborhoods and swapped them with Democrats di district to give her more black voters and to give this Republican more white voters, hoping that racial um, politics would hold and that they had a good chance of those white communities voting Republican. And that was something that, you know, we spent a lot of time uh, getting out information and folks organized online. They came up with petitions. They talked about it a lot on social media. So it let everybody know what was going on. Um, they carried the messages that we were sending out about how bad this bill was. Um, and then they showed up at the Capitol and conservatives played a lot of tricks like moving the meeting around. I think the final committee meeting was like super early. It was like 8 a.m. on a Wednesday morning or something. Just a really you know, inconvenient time um, that they tried to use to pass this bill. And people showed up in full force. And, you know, that bill never made it to the floor. So the point I'm making is that we can out organize these people. It's like Michelle Obama said a couple of days ago. All these, these people are not that smart. So, I mean, yes. it's not something that should not be 
out organized. It just takes people really continuing to pay attention. And like I said, here in Georgia, we're only in session for 40 days. It feels like an eternity to legislators like myself. But with us only being in session for 40 days, it's really only a small window of time that you really have to be vigilant. It's the first four months of every year that you have to be totally vigilant about what is going on at the state level um, where a lot of these bad things are being passed. So I would say that, so that's a big deal. You can sign up for my email. Um, if you go to RenitaShannon.com and you follow me on Facebook or Twitter at RenitaShannon, or at RenitaShannon on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, my distribution list, a lot of elected officials will use it for fundraising and things like that. I, I mostly use mine for alerting people about bad bills during sessions. Hey, we need, you need to call your representative. You need to call this person who's the chair of this committee who's running this bad bill, you need to call the speaker, um, because it does work. The majority of the horrendous things that happen at the, in the Georgia uh, General Assembly happen because nobody is saying anything about it in the public. Mm -hmm. So that's really a lot of it, because when I speak out, and I frequently do, along with other representatives like Park Cannon and a lot of the newer uh, reps that we have coming in, it's easy for conservatives to chalk it up to, well, you all are just super far left people, um, and we don't really need to, you know, we heard you, but we disagree. But when electors are saying, oh, no, we don't want this either, it's really hard for them to withstand the pressure. So really, people need to start treating the state level like the federal level. Watch what your rep does. If your rep is not fighting, you need to call them and ask them to start being more aggressive on your behalf. Find out who your rep is. Find out who your senator is. They should be working for you. Look at their voting records. Come talk to us. Um, and like I said, most importantly, stay vigilant. There are a few committees. And if you just look back at the... Um, list of committees last year and you cycle through each committee and you see the bills that came through each, each committee, it's obvious which committees generally have the most harmful, harm, harmful bills, excuse me, for the issues that we care about. It's pretty obvious. Mm, mm, mm. Well, y'all need to make sure you sign up and get her digest, particularly if you're here in Georgia, so we can stay on top of what's going on. We need to be paying attention, not just the election cycle, I know we're all tired. I know it's the holidays, but we need to be ready and rocking and rolling by the time session is dropping because um, I just know some of the things that I got alerted to that we needed to get people to be on the phones and emailing and showing up for last cycle were horrendous and, and were thankfully stopped. Um, but like you said, it's because when people, when people can mobilize and show up. And I guess when we just start getting used to doing this, it just becomes second nature. It becomes easier and easier for us to, to pull people together. I appreciate you so much for joining me and talking to me on this Friday evening and making space. Um, thank you for all that you do. Seriously, we need, we, need, we need you. I thank you for also helping to bring others like you into the fold. Um, yeah, I, 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 just, I just appreciate you so much and all your work. And, and thank you for helping us have a, a, a state that, that, that is one that's for all of us and not just a select few. Absolutely. Well, again, I appreciate your work and, um, you know, I'm easily accessible. So if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, you know, I'm here and, you know, I always say that, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm elected now, but I'm still a organizer first. And I know that being elected means nothing without a strong community behind you. And so, you know, right now it's super important. We don't have the majority in the House or the Senate, although we've made some great gains and we don't have the governorship, but 
the power of the community to organize and come together and say, this is not what my state government should be doing is something that is, you know, you just cannot underestimate. These people, they've, they've never really had any pressure on them um, who, are, who are coming up with these hateful bills and ideas. They've never had any pressure on them. And so just like you see, it works at the federal level. You need to do it at the state level. Do not be afraid to confront legislators. That is your right. So. Thank you. This has been another edition of the Way Up Noah. I've been so thankful to be joined by State Representative, Georgia State Representative Renita Shannon. Like I said, she is not my representative by district, but she is my representative at heart. So uh, y'all go check her out and tune in because I have new, great new content coming down the pipeline. Peace.